Today's episode is brought to you by me. Still mostly just brought to you by me. However, my friends over at DefiantBean.com are trying to help out too, but they can't do it alone. Defiant Bean Roasters take responsibly sourced quality coffee beans, lovingly and caringly roast them, sometimes while listening to the Enormacast apparently. Then they put them in a bag, still warm, in a box, and send them to you. So fresh, the beans think they're on a little vacation right up until they hear the grinder fire up. But anyway, DefiantBean.com is offering EnormaCast listeners a deal. 10% off any order, and we, the royal we over here at the EnormaCast, get 10% as well. That's DefiantBean.com. Enter Enormo in the coupon code at checkout and get 10% off great coffee. Or head over to EnormaCast.com, click on the Defiant Bean banner for details. Be defiant. Demand fresh roasted coffee. All right, on to the show. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? You, you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, a big place. That side of town. That's a big nice. place. You sold so, it out. I'll see. You really should. The hell are you doing? I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a freight end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. Hello and welcome to the Enorma Cast. This is your host, Chris Kaluse. This is episode number 14. And our topic today is partners. I've got two friends in the studio, Michael Logan and Jen Bennon, both local climbers here in Colorado, to talk about what it means to have a good partner, have a lousy partner, and what we get from those people when we're out climbing. It is July 2nd, 2012, and it's actually about 9 o'clock in the morning, Mountain Standard Time, which is a little bit strange. I usually do this late at night because I'm trying to get this thing done on my self-imposed deadline, which I sort of missed today. But I decided, because I'm in charge of this whole thing, that if the 1st or the 15th, which are my deadlines fall on a weekend, I get to blow them off until Monday. And today's Monday, so I'm going to have this thing out by the afternoon and think I still qualify as hitting my deadline. Now, I know some of you will probably start thinking that I'm starting to let myself go a little bit, you know, let the let the podcast fall apart, let it get a little fat around the middle, but that's not true. I'm actually doing a lot of stuff to get this thing out there to the climbing universe and beyond. What am I up to? Well, first of all, I have shipped a sticker design to the printer, and we'll have those soon. So that's exciting, stickers. And uh, I want to make sure that everybody knows that at any time, they can send me an address, a physical address, and I will send you stickers. You know, if you get on PayPal and throw a little donation in, you can put your address on that, and I'll be sure to send you from that too. But, you know, if you're super, super poor and you still want stickers, just send me an address at chris at enormacast.com and I'll send you out a sticker. They're not here yet, but they will be any minute. And I want to throw out an immense thank you to Josh Erickson, a listener who designed the sticker and it looks awesome and I really, really appreciate it. We worked together a little bit and came up with something I think's totally cool. So I'm sure those of you who get their hands on one of these stickers will be honored to go ahead and stick it somewhere like on their rocket box on the top of their car or on their coffee mug or maybe you'll 
shave your pet squirrel and stick it to that. I don't know. It's going to look cool wherever you put it. The other thing I'm up to with the Cast is once again, I'm headed up to the International Climbers Festival in Lander, Wyoming next week, which is going on the 11th through the 15th. I will be cruising around to most of the events, hopefully doing a little bit of climbing. I've got some interviews scheduled, but if you see me up there, if you guys show up, uh, make sure and say hello and you know, maybe we can have a beer at the Lander Bar if I'm not too drunk already. One last little bit of business before I get to the show today is I've been thinking about ways to maybe get out a little bit more content than two a month. I've been nailing my first and 15th deadline pretty good, you know, pretty tightly for the last six months. A lot of people have asked me to do a little bit more, which I basically told them to, you know, make your own podcast if that's that important to you. But I would like to get out a little bit more content. So I was thinking about ways in which to kind of put together some sort of bonus shows that I can put out at my leisure. And one of the things I thought of the other day while painting was what if I started doing an occasional listener mail segment, maybe put together like a 15, 20 minute show here and there that talked about the things you guys send me. So with that in mind, if you guys want to participate, want to help the show along, get on the keyboard, send me some listener mail. Tell me some stories. Make some longer, elaborate comments on some of the bullshit that I spray on this show. And if I find them amusing and entertaining, I will read them on the show. Mostly uncut, I can imagine, unless uh, there's a little bit of a brevity issue. Who knows? But yeah, let's see what we can get and I'll put it together and uh, maybe we'll have a little bit more content to share on the show. That's chris at anormalcast.com. Send me your stories, your tales your jokes, your rants, whatever. Okay, on today's show, I decided, based on actually some other listener mail, some ideas, that we would do a show about partners, about the people we climb with, and how some of us at least go about choosing those people. I invited my close friend and longtime partner, Michael Logan, into the studio, and another good friend of mine, Jen Venon, who actually I realized that I've never climbed with. I've climbed around. I've watched her climb, but I've never been in a position to hold a rope. And we sat down in the home studio and basically shot the shit about partners. And I want to point out that after I listened to the edit a couple times, I realized that I actually have coined, I think, what's an original climbing term in this episode. So Matt Samet, if you're listening and you need yet another entry from me for the next edition of the Climbing Dictionary, in addition to my entry, Blort, It is the random, an adjective turned into a noun. And the random, short for random Joe, is that person that you've decided to climb with even though you have no idea about their skill level, about whether or not you actually get along with that person, but that person just happens to be a warm body that you grab to give you a belay or to go up on that route with. As in, I picked up this random in the parking lot to go do the nasal ranger up on Giggity Dome. First duder wanted to belay me with a munter, then he practically pulled me off the crux, then I think the J-hole left with one of my green camelots. Just write that one down, put it in your vocabulary, the random. Alright, that's all, let's get to the show. Hope you enjoy this one, topic show on partners, episode 14, Beware the Random.
climb with somebody once? Are they a partner? What if they just belay you on one pitch that one day? What if they've never belayed you, but you hang out with them all the time? I think you're definitely a partner. If you... And I'll try to address both the sport climbing and the track climbing. If you are there for someone on multiple attempts on, on a, like a project, yeah. you're definitely a partner. And you're definitely a partner if you do something that's long and trad and committing. That's a partner? Yeah, for sure. I can remember all the partners on people uh, on the routes that I were multiple pitches. That were, really? Are you sure? No, I'm not positive, but I when I made my little list here. Right. Well, because I know that when I, um, I was in the Black Canyon, camped out, and a guy came up to me and told me that he... Um, had climbed the scenic cruise with me, and I had no recollection of who that person was. <laughs> oh, that actually, now that you said that, I remember yeah. someone else who I climbed the scenic cruise with. Really? Who wasn't on my list. It was probably the same guy. <laughs> have we Welcome started? to the Normal Cast. Oh. We've started recording. Coming to you from the home studio in Carbondale, Colorado. And, and Michael Logan was just reading from a list that he made up today for all the partners, all the climbing partners that he remembered in his life, Right. And how yeah. many roughly do you have on there? About 45. Okay. And this doesn't include people who may have been climbing in the same area and who I was being social with. Uh-huh. These are people who either called me or I called them and we deliberately went out together. Okay. So it's not like, hey, buddy, can you give me a belay type people? If somebody called me on the phone and, and li- said, hey, buddy, hey, buddy <laughs> and you know, they had to describe who they were, right. they, they made this list. All right, I think they made this list. Okay. And what were you, you were just talking about well, some of your, the was, ones you couldn't remember here, their names? Here are some people who I couldn't recall their names. Bastille guy who saved my ass. Um, what happened hey, there? Um, I got benighted when I was 18 on that. Well, not, I didn't get benighted, but it got dark uh-huh. on the top of the second pitch of the Bastille crack. Uh-huh. And we were both 18. What time had you started? Um, like five. Okay, good. Five in the evening. <laughs> Wait, a.m. <laughs> in the evening. Oh, and we he he took charge and like let us let every pitch in the dark. Right. And I thought that was really surprising to me. I was like, man, I'm a real wimp. Where did that guy come from? <laughs> he was a guy from the south. He was a friend of my roommate. They went to the same private school, and uh-huh. he was just like an incredibly with it person. You know, he just all elements of his personality. You could tell that he was just. And now I'm sure he's like a. Um, Sender or something. Okay, but here's some other people who, who I couldn't remember their name. Angry older guy. <laughs> Not n- <laughs> you know that wasn't me. <laughs> no. no. Um, born again Christian preppy guy. Born again Christian teenager. Red haired outward bound guy. So there are some people I climb with who I remember the experience, but I don't remember their name. And I okay. So well, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, you remember the experience. I guess that's the important part. Yeah. That's nice. well, I, tell me about the angry older guy. Because I'm, I'm planning on becoming that guy if I'm not already. Oh, um, he was a guy who was like ten years older than this was when I was in college. So most of my college climbing partners were also, you know, the same age in the early twenties. And this guy was about ten or fifteen years older than us, and he had sort of a creepy. Um, backstory and nobody knew the whole backstory but he definitely had a temper and um he was sort of a womanizer and and um (laughs) you sure that wasn't me (laughs) positive wasn't you oh wait we're the same age so i couldn't have been 15 years older than you the last interaction or the last time we remember the last thing we remember about this guy is that he got busted for some giant drug (laughs) 
<laughs> like he went climbing all these guys and said, "I have to leave for two two weeks." And he's borrowed someone's van and got busted for bringing a bunch of drugs across the border. So by good. creepy older guy, he was significantly younger than any of us sitting right <laughs> yeah, here. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> thirty one. <Just> making sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. All right. Anyway, um, thanks. Thanks, Michael. I'd like to introduce you guys. Uh, I'm sitting in the home studio with Michael Logan, who was just reading from his list of, of amazing partners that he's had over the years. And also sitting across the table is another local climber, Jen Venon. Hi, Jen. How are you? Hi. It's awkward with you staring at me like that. All right. I'll look at the bottle of wine <laughs> then instead. Um, I invited these guys into the home studio to take on a topic that some listeners had suggested to me in various different ways, and I've kind of wrapped it all up into the topic of partners, of uh, what uh, a good partner is, what a bad partner is, what we get from our partners, um, unless you are, you know, our friend Mr. Honold or a few other people, generally, you have to climb with somebody else to hold your rope, unless you're doing kind of a weird permutation on some sort of soloist device, which I wouldn't recommend. But most of the time we end up climbing with other people. And, and even though it's, it's interesting to me because I find so many climbers are like anti team sports guys from back in the day. Like when you talk to them about high school or whatever, they were like, ah, I didn't, I wasn't into team sports, bro. Or they weren't into sports at all. And yet it's this incredibly social activity really at least social between two people and so today tonight uh we're going to examine the subject of partners but before we get to that what kind of climber <laughs> would you say you are mr logan i am a father recently and in the past five or seven years and that sort of changed the character of my climbing a little bit um i love climbing and i love most types of rock climbing um trad climbing sport climbing Long routes, short routes. Um, so I'm just a passionate um, weekend warrior type father guy. And uh, how long have you been dedicated to climbing in your lifestyle? I mean, uh, I know you grew dedicated? up. Dedicated, yeah. Since I was about 18. Okay. And, and interestingly, and I'm going to go ahead and shine light on this because I know that you won't, is Michael Logan is climbing royalty. He is the son <laughs> of Jim Logan, who is a uh, somewhat famous climbing god from the 1970s. He would love to hear me call him that. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> such things as the first free ascent of the diamond, um, the emperor face in in, uh, in Alberta, right? Is that thing in Alberta? Oh, brother. I don't know. It's in Canada somewhere. It's in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, so but you, I knew, I asked you that because I know that as a youngster, uh, you might have climbed a little bit, but it wasn't necessarily a priority to you, or was it a priority to, for your dad to have you out climbing? Actually, that's an interesting story because um, I idolized my dad like a lot of kids do. And I, um, the fact that he was a climber, I mean, it was really a big part of his identity to me. And so I had this fascination with becoming a climber myself without actually understanding climbing. And when I was a little kid, um, we were on a, a trip in Europe and I was asking him all these questions about what it's like to be on the top of a mountain and everything. And he said to me, he turned to me and he said, you know, you don't you don't have to be a climber just because I am. And that was really like almost hurtful to me at the time. Oh, and I was man. like, oh my he God. He thought he was being all liberal. I'm sure like, <laughs> I'm well, not yeah. pushing my kid into this. But in the end, it was good because I actually, during most of my teens, that one comment actually steered me away from climbing. When I got into it as, as a 18-year-old, uh, 
it, it was purely for myself. It was, it was, it was without my dad's influence. Um, so he definitely, you know, caused an initial interest in the sport, but that comment helped me find it on my own. Yeah. So he was, he was indeed one of my first climbing partners. Cause once I really got into it for myself, I started asking him to take me out. All right. Now to, to Jen Vennon. Jen, what kind of climber are you? I am a sport climber. Absolutely. I actually, no, I can confidently no. say the hardest boulder problems I've ever done are <laughs> on a rope. All right, on. For sure. Absolutely. I started climbing in a gym in Jacksonville, Florida. Nice. When I was storming out of Florida. Oh, yeah. That's when I was sick. 17 wow. years old. And I'm pretty sure that was the extent of my gym climbing experience. I Michael can attest I absolutely refuse to go to the climbing gym now. <laughs> Every Tuesday night they're all there and I'm just not going. Um and is then this, does Florida have a really big one of those massive climbing gyms? No. It was uh-huh. like a it's a fine I mean it's just dark it's a short gym. How old are you? Can I, I was seventeen how old am I now? Yeah. I am twenty nine. I know I'm not supposed to ask a lady that, but For it just helps me like frame you in the generations. I've got three weeks left of my twenties. Nice. Oh wow. Oh my god. I know. That's awesome. I don't know if it's awesome. <laughs> but uh I'm kind of freaking out about it. But um no, I started when I was seventeen in high school and I had done gymnastics my whole life up till about a year prior and then for one year time span I did nothing that I would like to admit on air nothing good anyway and then i found climbing and that was kind of the end of that for me and that's took me out of florida to knoxville and then eventually out to colorado on a road trip on a road trip that you never left (laughs) never quite made it past rifle it was six seven years ago yeah and you're a big big fan of rifle and climb quite well out there i've seen you do it and I, I just climb sport, really, in some bouldering. I can I honestly say I've never placed a camp. The important thing, and we, we got to get to our topic, but the important <laughs> thing to, to talk about with Jen Vennon, in my opinion, is that you climb incredibly well and mm-hmm. very, very hard, 514, mm-hmm. and you also have a life and a job. Um, you're a kindergarten teacher. And I've actually gotten a lot of emails from, from, from fans and listeners that – kind of want me to ask those questions a little bit about like, well, although we can't do it really tonight, but I do want to point out that, that you are sort of that climber that, um, although you have a few sponsors, uh, your Prana and 510 and a, and, and a couple others, but you know, but it's incredible that you climb as well as you do have in sort of a normal life, I think. And that's, mm-hmm. I think one of your strengths. So, um, there you go, people. Here's an example. You can <laughs> climb 514 and have a job. It works. She does it. Thank you. All right, so let's get to our, our subject and partners. And I thought we'd start by talking to you guys about what, what you think is essential in a partner and the people that you want to climb with. Have you guys put any thought into that? Um, for me, first of all, they have to be able to give a soft catch. I'm not a very big girl, and I mm-hmm. like my ankles and being able to walk, so I need a soft catch. That's number one key. If I don't have someone I know around... I always look for a guy that has a small girlfriend who doesn't limp. <laughs> That's like the key for me. They always know how to Perfect. catch. Nice. Um, I also need someone who's going to be patient because I'm a pretty much one of the slowest climbers mm. in the world. And then someone who's just rooting for you. I think that's really important. There's nothing worse than feeling like the person doesn't actually want you to succeed, which I think we've all experienced. Someone who's truly rooting for you. It's interesting how even if what they're saying 
is you know all the right things you know they're like go for it yeah you're doing great you're doing great you can feel it coming up the rope mm-hmm. you can you know when there's they're not into it i'm not a one that likes a lot of cheering for me when i'm climbing i have to force myself to do it mm-hmm. when i think the person wants to hear it but then as soon as i do it i think to myself like can they tell that I'm not really that? I mean, I'm I'm into them sending, but I'm not into yelling the the, the cheers, the, the venga venga bullshit that everybody yells. And so I'm like, as soon as I say, it, I'm like, I hope they didn't hear the fake the fakeness of that. You know, it's like, it's like, I really want them to succeed, but I don't want to yell Spanish words that don't make any sense either. So it's really important that they be, be sincerely interested in your success because you can't tell when somebody is either not paying attention because they're not interested in your success mm-hmm. or when they cheer for you in a sincere way. And whether it's, you know, sometimes it might be a disruption or whatever, mm-hmm. but when you come down after a successful ascent and somebody cheers for you or says, good job, it feels good, you know, yeah. and you mm-hmm. want that you want. And, and the, com- and especially in sport climbing, I think the, com- it's not so much about partnership. Right. It's about a community. Like right. you, you oftentimes climb with more than one person yeah. and it's about that communal sort of rooting for each other. Um, sort of synergy you get out of that. Yeah, and it's, exactly. It, it, that's really interesting because a lot of times I, I think that when somebody who likes, let's say, goes to rifle and sort of a, accuses maybe it of being clicky, but mm-hmm. the positive side of that is, yeah, it is clicky because those people have coalesced around in understanding that you know anybody in this group is on my team and I can mm-hmm. I can count on them which I think causes you to not necessarily look outside of that group mm-hmm. for somebody. I mean, why, why would I pick, you know, random Joe Schmo when Jen's standing right there and willing to give me a belay, you know? Well, and they're all there and they've all been through the exact same mm-hmm. experiences of mm-hmm. what it takes to really send your hardest route. Like it's not one or two goes. I mean, for some people it is, but not for me. We're talking like, I mean, I've taken three plus seasons to do a route. Right. Day in, day right. out. You need someone so who's... Sony needs to punch the time Yeah, card and I don't you, want yeah. him to remind me that this right. is like the 700th mm-hmm. attempt. Mm-hmm. But you want someone who's there, you know, mm-hmm. day in, day out. They know exactly where you're about to struggle. And it's that right amount of encouragement or just shutting up. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I don't really hear it anyway when I'm climbing. No matter what people right. are saying, I don't hear yeah. it. But you know that person who's just right there in sync with you yeah. knows exactly what's happening. A good partner knows exactly when to shut up yeah. and when to offer something. Like, yeah. no, you, your left foot's supposed to go further left. Yeah. Come on. That's all sport climbing stuff. What about track climbing? I mean, I was just thinking when we were talking about somebody wanting you to succeed. And I was thinking about even climbing with you, Michael, in the Black Canyon or, or with my friend Rob. Especially late in the day when I don't want to lead anymore hard pitches than I'm going to have to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I've got, if we're blocking it out and I know in my mind, you know, we've got five pitches left and only two of them are mine to lead, like that's a good feeling. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, in terms of wanting them to succeed, it's like I want them to succeed because I don't want them to come down because then I'm going to have to lead it, you know? Yeah. And I've been in that position a bunch of times where somebody's up there struggling yeah. and I'm just like, come on, dude, do it because if you can't, I got to try yeah. because we got to get out of here, you know? So it's like this different thing of like, they have to succeed or else uh-huh. I'm going to go up there and have to do it. So, but what, what's the differences with trad climbing? Do you think, or are there differences? Well, I think there's a, there's a similar I mean, The first thing Jen said is a soft catch. I think in trad climbing, there's a competence in terms of safety mm-hmm. that is critical in a, in a right. good partner, somebody who knows, you know, the basics of how to be safe. And then 
I, I think it gets really complicated beyond that because I, you told you told me you were going to do the show several like a week or two ago, and I've been thinking about this. And I think the, the first thing that comes to mind about a good trad partner is somebody who is like an equally skilled climber. You know that you know they can lead the pitches that have been assigned to them or whatever. Um, right. But I think you can have great trad climbing experiences with people who are either way better or, 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 or not as, as good as you if there's an expectation when you go into the climb. Certainly, yeah. The roles have to be understood. Yeah. Well, I think the best partners for those routes that are, you know, you know are going to be challenging for yourself and that are something you've dreamed about for a long time are the partners who are competent. You know, you know they're good climbers. They're safe. My, my best partners are people with whom I... I, I know outside of climbing and we are also social outside of climbing because I think there's just another level of trust there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's all three of those things. It's safety, competence as a climber, and then having some kind of relationship. I don't know. What do you think? Well, let me say this. As I've grown older, I'm less willing to go do hard, big roots with, with random so-and-sos, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that's probably pretty common, you know, when you're in your twenties and you're out there on the road, you're just like, whatever, you know, Duder seems like he knows how to clip a carabiner. Let's, let's go do these climbs. You know, I did, I did the leaning tower in Yosemite way back in the day with a guy I just met in the, in the campground, a Michael Dew from Telluride. If you're out there, Michael, we had a really good time actually, but I literally <laughs> taught him how to Jumar you know, a couple of days before and we went up there and it turned out okay, but I'm, I'm really not willing to do that so much anymore. And my, the people who I will do those kind of routes with narrows every year, it yep. seems like. No, I, when I was making my list of all the, the people who I've climbed with, I realized that all the people at the very beginning of my list, it was just purely circumstantial. They were the climbers who I was surrounded by. Mm-hmm. And the people who are at the end of my list are these people who have, I think we've sort of selected each other and we're like really well suited to, sure. to climb mm-hmm. together. So I totally agree with that. I right. don't think it's any different with sport climbing at mm-hmm. this point. Like I'm not going to go out to rifle with someone I don't know mm-hmm. because first of all, I'm going to spend the whole day talking to them. And I mean, there's a lot of downtime that I want. I don't want to like <laughs> just be out there with someone I don't like. <laughs> I know that's awful, but it is. That's I a, mean, it's a roll of the dice. I just feel like I'd rather go spend the day with a good friend and sure. have a good time mm-hmm. or stay home and paint the bathroom or do right. a million other things that I could do. And I'm not suggesting that that's <laughs> not something that everybody should go through. It's just, like I said, an observation. It wasn't conscious. It's just the way it is. I think the other thing is, as we've gotten older, I think I can say we of all of us, even though youngster here is not even 30, but, you <laughs> yeah. know, our climbing time every year for me, it's, it gets tighter and tighter and tighter. And so uh, that's the same thing. If I, if, when I was on the road for months on end, it wasn't so important to me that if I spent the day with someone I wasn't meshing with, you know, or whatever. But now that my climbing time is so precious, it's like I want to have both experiences mm-hmm. where I'm out there with this friend who I don't see as much as I'd like to anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, we could, you know, I don't know, go to the rodeo or something, or we can go climbing. We get that social time either way, plus we get to go climbing. Mm-hmm. So we're going to skip the fucking rodeo, you know. It's like I get to kill both, you know, two birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. So. When I have a weekend here or or a week here or whatever, I'm going to go to one of those people 
first, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to just some random. But at the same time, you know, we'll get to this. It's like you've got this whole list of, of the, the grumpy old guy and the and the dude who saved you off the Bastille. And it's like if you weren't at those in those years willing to just go climb with random Joe. Right. You wouldn't have those experiences. Exactly. Or the first time I climbed with you or the first time I climbed with my 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 friend Rob you know, we were random Joes and, and right. we hit it off. So it's right. like, you have to go through these, those experiences. So mm-hmm. it's not like I'm saying that you're an idiot if you climb with well, randoms. Yeah, absolutely. But, and, and, you know, the fun thing about making this list is I realized that there's, there's something redeeming about every partnership I've had. Like, even the, even the people who I wrote these sort of bizarre descriptions of, it's a fun story to remember. Like, right. climbing is a... It, tells a story of your life and, mm-hmm. and the, the, all the people that you encounter. And uh, I, I remember with fondness almost every experience that this list brings up. There are a few that I don't, but <laughs> almost every experience. Yeah, but the fond, the ones you don't remember with fondness probably in some ways changed you as yeah. a climber for the oh, better. Oh, for sure. For right. sure. Or changed me as a person for the better. Right. Like it may have been a lesson I learned that was bigger than climbing. So... Back to the idea of, of uh, essential qualities of a good partner is some of the things we just talked about. Positive, positivity um, and competency is really all it is, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we don't want to climb with someone who's sketchy, and we don't want to climb with someone who's negative. No, and you certainly don't want to be doubting it when it, when it matters. Right. Like, oh, did I <laughs> Either remember? of those things. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and can I just add something? Checking your partner's not. Like, when you told me you were going to do this, you, we kind of made a joke about that. But for the past week, I've been super deliberate about checking knots. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, feels like a great way to start a climb. You know, that you're absolutely, you know, checking out the essential safety components are there. Right. You know, I mistied my knot la- two summers ago on a route I'd never, like, I'd been on it. I hadn't sent it. I climbed the route for the first time ever. Got cleaned it. It had fixed jaws at the top. Got down. Not tied wrong. Really? It was completely wrong. Are you a bowling girl? or? Yeah, a I tied bowling. Girl? And I was just no like... No wonder it was tied wrong. No, I had I, it freaked me out. And yep. ever since, Andrew, my boyfriend, will not let me leave the ground without looking at that See, knot. See, that's great. Like, every time. How's your knot? How's your knot? Uh-huh. How's your knot? I'm like, it's fine. And I feel like <laughs> when you're super deliberate about that, yep. and redundant about it, it actually forms a, a stronger partnership. Yep. Like... I don't know. There's something about doing that over and over and over again that helps you trust that person in other ways. Mm-hmm. Totally. And, and, you know, it's funny because that's, I guess, going back to like uh, essential partners or, or we'll get to what bad partners are, I hope. You know, it's something that I do. I like if I forget and someone's, you know, a few feet off the ground before they get any further, I'll be like, hey, did you tie your knot right? Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of say it jokingly, but it makes them always look down and go, yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't imagine someone getting mad or embarrassed by that or like, what? You don't think I can tell my not, but it's something that we don't do. And I guess I'm confident and I'm, and I'm kind of old enough and stuff where I can kind of be a little bit patronizing like that without getting, getting any shit. But it's, it's something that this podcast and the old podcast, as we talked about safety and stuff, really made me start to think about like, what an easy thing to do to avoid, especially with sport climbing. You know, so many of the accidents in sport climbing have to do with that, mm-hmm. and it's such an easy thing to do. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. I've probably tied that knot three thousand times, and but nobody except for wrong. Michael Logan ever does it to me. Nobody does. 
Yeah, my colloquial. Arms in the air in victory. <laughs> well, it's yeah. almost like when, when you don't know the person is when you might not because you'd be like treading on their ego to ask him something so basic. Mm-hmm. And again, going back to climbing with the same people over and over again, like I always ask you mm-hmm. because it's part of what we do now. You know, you know how absent-minded yeah, exactly. I am. <laughs> and plus, your, your wife has also contracted oh, and, me. And Every I, time I ask you, she gives me a dollar, actually. actually I have to say that, that my wife is, you know, she was really interested that I was coming, that I was going to talk about this because she she's so supportive of my climbing but there are certain partners whom she knows are kind of looking out for my safety you being the the, the yes. one chris Calouse. and so she she a constant reminder to me that that is kind of the number one priority is that you go with somebody who really is on top of things right and, mm-hmm. and you are definitely one right. of those people she would never let you go with the random you no know, but she when i go with you she says like every time i go climb with you she's like michael I have zero fears when you go climbing with clues. Zero. No, seriously. Oh, I mean, yeah, but shit can go down. I, I know. She maybe doesn't understand like okay. maybe what the Black Canyon is if all about. If you listen to this, Sasha, <laughs> I can't be 100% all over it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of weight. The two kids yeah. and her. Oh, man. Yeah. I wanted to ask you guys a question that kind of has a little bit of gender issue in it, and that's the idea of competition. And about whether or not having uh, some level of competition with your partner is a positive, healthy thing or a negative thing and maybe like where it crosses from one to the other. And earlier when we were talking, um, Jen, kind of sort of the pre-game, as I like to call it before we get (laughs) on the mics, you were like, definitely not. I don't like competition with my partners. And so can you elaborate on that? I don't like the feeling of someone not wanting me to succeed. Uh-huh. I don't think it's so much that they want to be better or worse. It's anytime I feel like they don't want me to succeed, it just don't it just doesn't feel great. It's not someone I really want to climb with right. because for me climbing is so individual and I really couldn't give a shit if I'm climbing harder than or less hard than any of my friends. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It has next to nothing to do with my friendship with mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. So when I feel that creeping in, I don't really like it, but you, I think it also pulls a little competitiveness out of me that I don't enjoy, and it just makes me be like, "Oh yeah, right." <laughs> and I don't check like this out. Yeah, and I don't like feeling that way. Uh-huh. So it's just I struggle. You, with is that. that something that you've that you've run into? It sounds like I mean, obviously, yeah, from time to time. time, from time to mm-hmm. time. And is it yeah. more when you're climbing with other women, or yeah? Well, with, I mean, you get weird stuff with men, but it, it kind of it, when I first started climbing in the red, it was hard. It was just a different situation. There weren't many girls climbing hard stuff there. It just wasn't happening at the time. And it was this weird thing with guys, but I never felt competitive with guys. I just felt like they always underestimated, always underestimated. Like, perfect example. One day, Kate Reese and I, who's Kate McGinnis now, who I've known forever, um, great climber, we were going climbing. And this random guy comes up and he's like, hey, can I climb with you today? And Kate and I are very good friends, and we were headed out to work on our projects at the dark side that day, which were like mid-13. Um, and this guy, we were like, yeah, sure, jump in the van, no problem. And he comes out, and we get there, and we start warming up, and turns out guy has never climbed 5'11". Like, he had just assumed, because we were two little girls, he was going to be able to put up top ropes for us right. all day. And mm. 
he learned a valuable lesson that day, and <laughs> which he talked about all night. But it was just like that was wait, constantly wait. going on. Did, so he he was self aware enough to admit oh, he had learned the lesson fully. Oh, that's fully self aware. We had to take him right to on. an entirely new crag right. just so he could do a single pitch. Uh, <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, if you're out there, buddy, that's awesome. Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, he told the whole campground that you were night. Like, honey, should we go over here where you can do a route? Well, he kept saying to everyone that night, "Do you know who these girls are? Do you know how hard they climb?" That's awesome. And, and everyone he had, was, yeah, yeah, that actually is cool. That he, yeah, he could have gone the other way oh, and yeah. gotten all pissed. Oh, yeah. yeah, everybody at Miguel's Good was like, "Yeah, fella. we do know who these girls are and what they climb." <laughs> what were you thinking? Why would you get in the van with them? <laughs> So that wasn't, I mean, I don't know. Okay. I don't like the competitive feel because I think it brings something out of me that I don't enjoy. What about you, Michael? Well, you know, Khalees, when we were talking about this earlier, you said you think there's an there's usually some element of competitiveness between guys. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's true, especially in your formative years when you're right. learning and growing as a climber. Right. I actually feel like now I'm thinking about all my current partners. Sure. And there's almost zero competitiveness. Like... You know, you and I, no, you and I, you know, when we first started climbing together, it was pretty obvious where our relative strengths lay. Sure. Uh Um, You're a much better trad climber than me, much better crack climber. And I had a a sport climbed harder numbers than you had. And so I don't think there was much of competition then because we sort of had these. Right. I didn't care. Yeah. Whether or not I climbed hard sport and you were, that was your thing. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't really care. I mean, I, I was sort of inspired mm-hmm. by the fact that you were mm-hmm. this rad and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. And now it's interesting because you're you're sport climbing really well these days. But right. I don't feel threatened but I'm by that. I'm single with no kids because you because <laughs> you're taking me out and we're we're still going climbing together. Yeah. So I think as you age, that goes away a little. Well, bit. I, I mean, with you and I, I mean, I guess the competition part of it is it's become kind of like a joke because we do joke about it a lot. You know, like, yeah, well, lately you've been like, I've been following Calusa around in oh, yeah. rifle, you know? Oh, yeah. And so, which, which has an element of like, at this time, you know, I happen, I have the upper hand yeah. as it were. Yeah. I feel like the two of us do operate in that realm of like, we're kind of joke, joke around mm-hmm. about it. I have the upper hand at the moment, you know, when, yeah, when yeah. you, yeah. you had it last year yeah. or you had it actually this spring at, at the, the bird man, yeah. yeah, with the Birdman. So, it's, yeah. I mean, and that's what I'm saying. Like, sometimes it can be, and maybe guys are a little different because it can be sort of a positive yeah, motivator. Exactly. And I, I think, again, of, of my partner, Rob Van Arnhem, who's from Crested Butte and um, has been one of my go-to guys for, you know, mm-hmm. shit, like 20 years now. Mm-hmm. And him and I, you know, it's like we want each other to succeed, but we you know, th- there is that kind of banter back and forth of giving each other yeah. a hard time of who's in better shape and yeah. who's who's doing what. And, you know, I know that when he comes to rifle because he doesn't climb there very much that he's going to get his ass kicked. But then I go to his home area and try to do these routes that he put up 10 years ago and I still can't do them. And he knows that. And so he likes to see, you know, he likes to see me try them. Mm-hmm. And... I hope that he likes to see me get my ass kicked because they're his roots, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like 
there's a positivity to it that drives you. And I think you're right about the formative years too. Like the last show, I talked a lot with, with Cedar Wright about climbing in Yosemite. And there's all this like, like people just like constantly keeping tabs on who's climbing what, where. Yeah. And like you just said, Jen, that made, when I was in my 20s, like that motivated me. Like I wanted to walk into the valley uh-huh. and get on El Cap and just be like, uh-huh. okay, here we go. Check it out. You guys been, nobody's done this route for 15 years. Well, I'm going to do it. And, you know, I, I think it speaks to your character that you say you don't like that part of yourself. And I'm no longer like that. But in my 20s, it definitely was a motivator. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I'm going to go up and show these assholes mm-hmm. like what's up. And, 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 but I, I really feel like as though that is a bit of a gender difference. Like I guys are, are just, you know, we're, we're known for just being our little chest puffers, you know, we're out there bumping chests and like, check this out. And the funny thing is, is like anthropologists would say it's because we're supposed to impress the female chimpanzees, <laughs> but you know, in, 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 on El Cap in 1996, there weren't any None. to impress. So we were trying to impress each other in yep. this like yeah. weird psychosexual way. I don't know. Well, and, and rifle on any given day, the women are oftentimes better than me. Yeah. So, so yeah. But I think with women and climbing, it, there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on there anyway. Mm-hmm. There's there's not as many of them. I mean, we've all been to the crag. It's right. clear, and it's mm-hmm. just kind of a I don't know. I've always felt like it's a little tenser. When you meet another woman, there's a whole Mm. series of things you go through before you're just like friends. It's not this instant. We're going to be best pals. It's is it related to climbing or is it bigger than climbing? I I think it's probably both, Hmm. but I think that with I don't know. It's just it always feels a little weird. I don't ever feel like when there's a new girl in rifle that we're going to just be best buds. There's like going to be some, I don't know if it's like figuring out your little totem pole and making sure everyone's very well aware. Like, I feel like that with some people Uh where you're like, it needs to be clear that you are here and I'm here. And, and that has to be understood. That's really interesting. Not with everybody, but that's really interesting because I've observed that, but I've all, all, I don't, you sort of doubted yourself? No, no, it's not, I don't speak up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've just watched that kind of go down. I'm like, well, there seems to be this weird sort of competition between the girls. It's weird. It's a little bit different than the type of competition that we're doing as guys. But it, I'd say at the same time, it's the all same. there. Yeah. It's kind of the same, but I don't think that... I personally don't feel comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. that's why it's a little more mm-hmm. under the table, almost more catty. Right. If you will. Well, you know, but it's uh, kind of as a forgiveness to all of us. It's like it's difficult to walk into a scene at, you know, the Project Wall and Rifle, which is, you know, a typical sport climbing wall with just one, two, three, four, five, six routes just all, you know, crammed in there right next to each other. There's a bunch of people at the base. It's always difficult to walk into that and not climb well. <laughs> and even though the reality of it is most people aren't even paying attention to you because they're, they're, you know, chit-chatting about whatever they are. It's hard not to be self-conscious when you walk into that scene, whether you're a guy or a girl. Mm-hmm. For sure. Which is related to competition because in a way you're co- competing with all these random strangers to show that you can handle this shit. Mm-hmm. You know that a lot of these routes are warm-ups for a lot of people. I mean, all that goes in there. And let's be honest, it's difficult to walk into that scene and not feel a little bit self-conscious about 
whether you can climb well enough to be here mm-hmm. or not. But Climbing even to the left of that, on the hard routes there, right. now you're having to do the hardest route you've ever been on in your life on display. Mm-hmm. Right. With Absolutely. everybody watching yeah. you. And mm-hmm. but, that's hard. Like I said, <laughs> the truth is, is most people aren't even watching you. It's a part of it's in your head. Mm-hmm. You know, they're glancing up like, oh, yeah, she's hanging or what? Like, you know, I always think that we, we think we're more important than we are. Like, oh, we, we think people are paying nature. attention to everything yeah. we're doing. But the, the truth is, is, you're probably not as significant yeah. as you thought you were. So get over it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's just neat as as we mature as climbers and as we get to know our community better, mm-hmm. that that tends to go away. So let me ask you guys this. What makes a bad partner? Now, obviously, it would be the opposite of what makes a good partner, but can we get more specific than that? One annoying experience I've had, which actually this is debatable. These These might have been really good partners. Maybe this is just my ego. When there's not shared responsibility, like on a trad climb... For the elements that go into just being safe and getting down and getting up, or that was by Kenyan, getting can up be, and getting down. Can you can you be more specific than yeah. that? Yeah, like when you're wrapping off of a long mm-hmm. route, there's it's you know one of the most dangerous things we do wrapping off of a route, right? And there's you know all of these responsibilities, uh, threading the anchors, um, tying the knots, um, checking to see that that you're clipped into the anchor the way that you should be or whatever. And I've been in some situations where my partner sort of takes over that responsibility and we're not sharing it. Mm-hmm. And f- for some reason that's no, no, not you. You're actually, sometimes you take I'm over raising my hand right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe I didn't do it with you, but I can do that. You, you know, you can do that. But a lot of times with you, I'm like, Oh, good. <laughs> take it over. <laughs> <laughs> but th- there've been situations with other partners where I'm like, mm-hmm. Do they doubt my competence or mm-hmm. something? And that can be annoying. And some of my best experiences have been situations where there's just this natural flow to that. And we, right. both people are paying attention and both people are, are taking care of things. I was just thinking along the same line, but it's going to be on a smaller sports scale level. Mm-hmm. But like the people who don't pull their own rope. That drives me crazy. Wait, what? What does that even mean? Like, you know, like when you come down. Yeah. And you untie. And you untie. And then the player pulls the rope through. Like I always do that. And then the other person doesn't do that. And then I have to pull my rope through, too. And it's not so a big a deal. It just drives me nuts. Who's supposed to do it? Oh, yeah. I'm confused about well, this, too, it has actually. To, I the think it has to be kind it. of agreed on, and uh, non-verbally, of course. But <laughs> I always pull the rope if I was just belaying. Okay, so when the, the belayer person untie, the rope. then yeah. I pull the rope right. down. That's uh-huh. good. That's good sport climbing etiquette. That's yeah. good sport climbing etiquette for me. Okay, so that's a deal breaker. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. No, people who don't sort of carry their weight yeah. in terms of the responsibilities. Or they show up with no yeah. lunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I was going to pack your lunch. I don't like that. <laughs> I'm so, sure that that's the same in trad climbing. Yeah, totally. No they water. If they don't. Show up with their shot box, ready to go. Bad catches. I just have no mm-hmm. tolerance for like it. That, again, that's like a competency yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Or but. just letting you fall so far at the expense of not slamming you. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. drives me crazy, too. Mm-hmm. Right, so they need to be a good player. They got to be good. Uh, people who can't carry on a conversation outside <laughs> of rock climbing. Mm. Okay, that the Enormacast is going to have to take issue with that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you talk about besides sport climbing or climbing? I talk about, I mean, 
Anything like else what, would be politics? nice to talk about. Yeah, sure, no, if you want. You and I talk about politics. But not politics or just like... Okay, I'm cutting that out. Your life. <laughs> to like, suggest that someone would want to talk about something besides climbing is the antithesis to this podcast. So please... <laughs> Just keep that to yourself. You even introduced me as a teacher. Oh, yeah. With a life other than rock climbing. I think that it helps develop a round, well-rounded personality. I have another bad, bad partner thing. And this is more of an anecdote, and you maybe can help me ferret out what made this person a particularly bad partner. Okay. But this was the guy on my list who was this sort of the... the um, he was very religious, and he, had, he, was a, he was somebody who is brand new to climbing. And I, I was, he asked me to take him climbing and I said, okay. yes. And I said, yes, like on a number of occasions. And I had just, I didn't have any fun with this guy. And he was so, so opposite in terms of our worldviews. And for him, climbing was all about this sort of weird identity thing. He, as soon as we went climbing, he went to the store and he got a rack of draws and we're, we we worked together in this, in the school and he'd drive around with the draws hanging from his, um, from the, the, the coat hanger the, the, in his car, so that everyone could see, and it was just like it was. You a, mean they hung there be- because he wanted people to see oh. the carabiners mm-hmm. because they, he wanted people to know that he was a climber. Okay, and it, it more revealed a fault in myself actually that I was unable to say no. You know, mm-hmm. I, it, I, but it was the most uncomfortable I've ever been in a like partner. The, he was just kind of a douche. <laughs> well, I and you still went ahead about- and climbed with him. I, I did, and, and it was really, really uncomfortable. Now, does, did his religion have anything to do with it? Yeah, it did. And that, that's a whole other story. Well, because, let's hear it. I, well, I'm, I'm a somewhat, um, I'm learning how to be sort of tolerant of people who are incredibly devout, because I'm, right. I'm, and I'm not a, I'm a sort of atheist, agnostic type person. And, anyway. You don't have to be embarrassed well, about I, it. I, I, the enormous cast is accepting to all types. <laughs> Well, he, he was, we were, the very rocks that we were climbing on, there, there was, we were at Smith Rock, and there's a boulder that was on the other side of the river, and there's a display that talks about how the boulder got there, and how many thousands of years that it had rolled across the river. Yeah, that's total and, horse shit. Yeah, that's, that's what he said. And that thing's it, been 6,000 years. It was uncomfortable. So I think, right. I guess, what makes, one thing that makes a good climbing partner to frame it in the positive, this is a teacher thing, uh, <laughs> is that you have somewhat similar worldviews because mm-hmm. it, it's it's a pretty intimate thing that you do, and mm-hmm. to have people who are just don't see the world the same way you do is is, yeah. is complicated. Yeah. So I have an example of, I guess, this guy because he was so is was is so awesome that it was a, a recent revelation of what. I don't like about some climbers and some partners. And this is my friend from Spain, Joseba, or mm. Joseba. I call him all sorts of things. It starts with a J. I don't know. <laughs> Joseba sounds good. Yeah, Joseba. And it's, he's Basque, so his, his last name is unpronounceable. Um, <laughs> but this guy, he, he, he comes over and he climbs in any creek. He's a really great sport climber. He's a local to Rodear in Spain, which is overhanging Tufa kind of thuggy, like strongman sort of climbing. But he, I met him years ago in, in, in Argentina, but then I climbed with him in Spain and, you know, just one of these guys. And you think at first he's just like this awesome Spanish sport climber, dude. But the thing about him that is so impressive is that he has no limitations on what it is to be a climber. Like he's not, a trad climber. He's not a sport climber. Mm-hmm. He's not a boulderer. 
he will climb slabs. He will climb cracks. He will mm-hmm. climb big mountains. He will climb sport climbing. He will climb limestone. He will climb granite. And not only will he do it, but he will attack it the same way as mm-hmm. this is going to be amazing, you know? And I had this, this uh, project that was kind of hard to get to. It was a place called Heart's Draw, which is sort of behind Indian Creek, a secret area. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a four-wheel drive, like, for an hour, and then you got to hike up to it, and then the crux of it was a second pitch. And I've spent the last, like, three or four years since I found it kind of talking people into going out there to climb on it with me because I've been... it's To it belay was, you. Yeah, to belay and, and to climb on it, but, yeah, so I can, you know, <laughs> send it, and it's I ended up calling it 513, but... It was always kind of like I would start with this pitch of like, yeah, we have to drive, but it's really cool. And once you see it, you'll be really psyched, you know, like automatically. And this guy who lives in Spain, you know, he was the guy who was there that belayed me when I sent it. And he also was that was the third time he'd ever even been out there, which is three times as many as everybody else. (laughs) So. Here's this guy that I would start into this this like spiel, and he'd be like, "No, let's go. You want to go mm-hmm. do it? Let's go. Let's mm-hmm. go tomorrow. Let's go. When can you go? Mm-hmm. Like so stoked and all these limitations because yeah, it's a four wheel drive, and you drive back, you drive past all these amazing cliffs in Indian Creek to go to this obscure land, and then you have to climb a pitch to get up to it, mm-hmm. which you know in Indian Creek, like we're trad climbing, but we sure as hell aren't going to climb on a second pitch." <laughs> And here was this guy that was just like so stoked. And it was such a lesson to me of like not limiting yourself. Like he climbed in the black canyon with me, you know, got off the airplane. We drove straight there and we climbed a 510, which, you know, this is a guy who climbs 514, but he was stoked to go climb a 510 yeah. in the black canyon. Then we went to rifle that, you know, a couple of days later. And even though there's like amazing limestone all over Europe, we all know how great it is. He was stoked to check out rifle. Yeah. And then he was stoked to go to Indian Creek. And then he was stoked to climb this thing. It was just like, he's just like such a pure climber that it was such a lesson to me to go, like, this is what you should be. You should just, like, approach everything the same way, you know? See, you would hate climbing with me. (laughs) (laughs) I won't even walk up to, what is that crag that's up there in the winter? Oh, the fortress? Yes. <laughs> There's no way. I won't go. It's a hike for an hour and a half in the snow, and the climbing's only, like, okay. I'd rather go swimming at the hot springs pool. Well, you're very self-aware, Jid Ben. Well, I'm just telling you I'm not yeah. going to spend a day doing something I don't right. want to do. The nice thing, though, Jen, is that you wouldn't agree to do it and no, then bitch all day. I certainly would well, not. Well, we did it. Okay. Well, that's well, fine. You, you know, just say no, then we're good. I, okay. I have to agree with you, Chris Galus, and I'm going to give you some props right now because I think you are actually, that's one of your greatest uh, attributes as a partner, is that you're pretty psyched yeah, to do just We're at anything. the good part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, Okay, just lay it on me. <laughs> no, you you definitely, you like to suck the marrow out of life. Yeah, you know, I've used that, describe, that, that, that very phrase to describe you. Um, and so uh, your story about Huseba rings true in my experience with you and some other climbers who I've climbed with who are, and I think it goes beyond climbing. They're just people who see opportunity kind of everywhere and they like to make the best of what, what it is. And and I don't think you should disparage yourself because I, I bet if you looked a little deeper, Jen, you'd find that you are similar. 
I, I don't know. I have my moments. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. It's, it's, you know, and again, now that I've had this like moment where I saw that in him, and I guess maybe, you know, this is all a personal thing. Like who you like to climb with mm-hmm. is a, is a definite reflection of you as a person. So that's probably totally accurate that, you know, I see myself in him mm-hmm. only better. Because I do put limitations. Because I, you know, I whinge when I have to try a route a bunch of times. Whinge? People have said, "Oh, you got to try these harder routes at rifle," and I mm-hmm. and I right away say, "No, I'm not ready for that," or mm-hmm. "I don't want to get involved." And those are the same things I'm talking about. So I'm, I'm guilty of the same thing mm-hmm. at times, mm-hmm. you know. But with uh, Joseba, it was like he would say to me at that moment, like. Shut up and try it. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, 8B. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, you might surprise yourself. What's it, What's the big deal? And Buddhist, and it's like openness of he just climbs yeah. whatever, and mm-hmm. he takes yeah. it as it comes. And I'm sure, like, if he was here and you could speak really good Spanish with him, he, or Basque, for that matter, although that's, you know. Good luck. Mars. But... <laughs> You know, he would admit, obviously, that he's got his limitations as well. But my perception of him is that he's just so amped and so psyched and and so stoked, to quote our friend Hayden. Yeah, it's like doing anything with Hayden is what it sounds right. like. Yeah. No, actually, yeah. that's really interesting. You had asked, like, who are the best partners? And I went and circled a bunch of people on my list. And a lot of the people on is my Hoseba list... Is on there? No, I've never climbed <laughs> with Hoseba. But you can circle them on your list. Have that very same quality. They're just, like, um, incredibly... Um, which is game yeah they're 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 super positive about the potential of mm-hmm. any situation and they're not going to let anything limit them until something actually occurs that mm-hmm. is a true limiting factor you know all right well let's let's get to the conclusion of all of this so within like the great sort of literature of climbing especially alpinism and we don't have an alpinist here to speak of this, but there's always been this sort of archetypal or mythological version of this connection that, that the rope brings symbolically between two people. The idea that this connection between two people climbing is maybe more than a social connection or an acquaintance that you might meet somewhere else. And do you guys have anything to comment on that or any sort of, maybe we could wrap it up in in terms of like, does climbing bring people plus closer together in some way, or maybe it's it's an introduction to a person that's more revealing more quickly than in sort of normal social cir- circumstances? I'm going to be super shallow on this answer. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I have honestly some of the hardest routes I've ever done when I actually sent them was with someone I didn't know belaying me, like on several occasions. I think I was just too scared to fall because I didn't know if they'd be able to catch me. <laughs> I haven't done any like big, huge expeditions, so I guess maybe I don't quite understand the whole cliche. But yeah, it would be interesting gonna... to actually talk to somebody who who had actually been yes. on cl- uh, on climb trips that were. I mean, you've you've been Steve on, House. Where are you? Yeah, you, I mean, you've been on 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 big walls where you spent days and days with people. Did you find that th- there was something deeper about that experience than no? <laughs> <laughs> Because you know what I know something about that that whole year of my life is I was so self centered mm-hmm. that a lot of times that person was a small step up from my soloist, mm-hmm. and that's why I soloed so many of those walls is mm-hmm. because 
so driven to kind of like succeed on these these really hard scary routes and mm-hmm. you know we we talked about sort of bad partners and and some of the things that make a bad partner and and you know i i mentioned to you guys that in the pregame about admitting faults but that that would be the best best thing for me to do at this time is that when i was a wall climber and climbing really hard and you know scary and supposedly dangerous routes it was about me and and those people that came up with me yeah, sometimes they were just like that guy was down there feeding ro- rope to me. Like it, I didn't. As long as they could feed rope to me, then that's fine, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't think I think I missed an opportunity to make a real strong connection with some of those folks. And mm-hmm. luckily, I've re-upped with a couple people that I climbed with back then that I'm I'm now closer with. But yeah, it was you know I I, I actually spoke to this in, in an article I wrote for Ascent recently about. It was kind of about latent core, and I mentioned in there that some of the things that I thought were admirable about his life, later on I saw were a little bit more sinister, that he kind of burned through partners and was all about him and what he mm-hmm. wanted to do, and, and that was the same thing with me. So those, it's almost like the more dangerous or the more scary it got, the more I just was like into myself mm-hmm. and not thinking about this person who was there helping me, but like, I got to get out of this myself. Mm. Right. So maybe there's a, there's a perfect set of circumstances that allows this like perfect partnership to actually become something that's, that's bigger than the climb that, that Mm -hmm. to enhance the partnership, Mm -hmm. which is a climb that's, is probably a multi-pitch or, um, or, or maybe a, a sport climb that two people are working together. But something that's memorable beyond your average one pitch climb, mm-hmm. that's like a, an aesthetic route. It's something that you've dreamed of doing for a really long time. And something that um, that both people in in the endeavor have, have a, a stake in mm-hmm. and that you do it together. Um, and when I think of like the greatest rock climbs I've ever done, I think there's some truth about the partnership being... Um, Somehow, you know, my friendship with that person is 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 really enhanced by that experience. And so, you know, you had t- said earlier that maybe we could do some shout outs. So can I give yeah, some totally. shout outs? Yeah, shout outs to, so, to best partners. Well, so I've had some incredible experiences in my life. And just the ones that come to mind are climbing uh, Calouse with you uh, in the Black Canyon. Take your time. Just incredible. Like that's a lifelong memory. Just recently. Just recently. Um, well, you don't know then if it's lifelong. Well, <laughs> you could forget next year. But when I compare it to some of these other experiences that I've had, it ranks mm-hmm. up there, you know, among some older memories. Um, and climbing with Jeff Hollenbaugh in, in, in uh, on the Rainbow Wall and Defiant Bean, uh huh, uh huh, and Jim Gilchrist on D Seven, and Hayden up on the Diamond, uh huh, and Hayden Kennedy on. Um, the romantic warrior. Those are like those four climbs are the, those climbs are such beautiful pieces of rock that I think that when you are there with a partner who you like, it's just an unforgettable experience. Now that's the important thing though, but it's like they're codependent. I agree. It has to be an amazing climb and, and the person, if you'd have gone there and just like, Oh, I need to climb the romantic warrior cause it's a hole in my resume. And right. I don't know. I'm not that into this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, there's like a coalescence of these of these different factors that go mm-hmm. into making these important. But when you have them both, mm-hmm. it becomes an experience that, that's bigger than just the partnership and bigger than just the climb. It becomes this really incredible synergy, mm-hmm. you know? You know, and I'm thinking of like 
some of the harder single pitch sport climbs, which is all I've ever done that I've mm-hmm. done. And like when I did the 7 PM show a couple mm-hmm. years ago, Andrew was my primary climbing partner. He is my primary climbing partner and he was there for all of it, except for the send. He wasn't there the weekend I sent it. Really? Mm-mm. No, Colette Jesus, delayed that me. makes me kind of misty. But it was bit. like, ha- yeah. he was there through the whole process, mm-hmm. and it felt almost like doing what I would feel like doing a big wall is, mm-hmm. even though it's the yeah. same thing over yeah. and over. And he wasn't working it with me, but he knew exactly where I yeah. was going to struggle. I could go home, and we would talk about, oh, I found this one little thing different. I found mm-hmm. that one little thing different. Um, that's going to help, or this is going to be a game changer. And he, we really worked through that climb together. And no, mm-hmm. he wasn't there the day I sent. Did that bother him? Was he bothered by that? He's rarely there the day I send. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much weight. But- <laughs> well, it's just like but having that partner through it all. And now like with him on some of his projects, now we talk about every minute little thing he found mm-hmm. or every little difference in the emotion that's in it. And we talk about that a lot and having that person that kind of gets it, that yeah. really gets what you're going through and gets the experiences is, is great. Yeah. I, I, my wife actually would be the person for me who's been through that, that same as, as served that as that same role mm-hmm. for, for sport climbs for me. And uh, I totally agree that the, that you what you remember about that climb might be more than the climb. It might be the the partnership that mm-hmm. enabled you to be successful. Even though it was a, it was a, a one pitch climb. Oh, we're all sappy now. Yeah, this is sad. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go home. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's getting late. All right, you guys. I think we nailed it. I think we hashed it out. And uh, I want to thank you guys for coming, Michael Logan. Appreciate it. Appreciate you having having me on the show. Some awesome. local guys and uh, Jen Bennon. Yeah, thanks. I for really appreciate me. coming in. You can follow Jen at the Prana Blog. Is that right, Jen? Yep. It's usually a monthly update. If I'm monthly update on it on the Prana Blog. So just go to their blog and, and search for Jen. And uh, I appreciate everybody listening. And I thank you guys for coming out. Okay, episode 14 in the bag. I know I've already said this like 14 times this show, but thanks again for listening. If you want to help out, please tell your friends. Visit anormalcast.com. Click on the Help Out tab. There's a bunch of things you can do to keep this thing gaining popularity and rolling along. And that's it for today. So come back next time for episode 15. I'll see you then. Want a beer? You gonna call room service? We got beer. You haul beer up this rock, you're insane. I may be insane, but I'm not stupid. I didn't carry it. You did it. It's in your pack. <laughs>